0: Well, welcome, everybody, to the Must Read Alaska Show. I'm your host, John Quick, coming to you live from somewhere in Alaska. And uh, it decided to get cold again in my neck of the woods. So it's went from a foot of snow to rain to slush to ice to now cold again. So we'll see what's in store for us here in the next week. But we're hoping everybody has had a great week after uh, election week. And, you know, the, the storm hopefully calms down a little bit and the world continues regardless of who folks voted for. So just know that if your candidate didn't win, just pick yourself up by the bootstraps and keep trekking on. Um, don't, uh, don't go uh, lean on to negative uh, keyboard warrior land. Just uh, keep doing positive things in the world, and I think that that's probably the better option. Um, we have a very exciting guest today. I'm very excited for this. A lot of our listeners really love and appreciate the um, association that she is the executive director of. So without further ado, I want to welcome the executive director of the Alaska Mining Association, Diantha Skabinski. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here.
0: So you are the executive director of the Alaska <laughs> Miners Association, which when folks hear about mining in Alaska, they probably first think about the TV shows, the gold mining shows and those kinds of things. But it actually turns out there's people mining for stuff in Alaska. So tell me a little bit about the Miners Association, um, how it got started and why it got started.
1: So it, it's actually an incredibly interesting story. So we were founded in 1939, um, you know, way before statehood, obviously, and we have to assume that this was done at a time we had gold rushes happening in the state, right? This is post Klondike gold rush that there's, you know, rushes of gnome. And um, so there was activity going on around the state. Um, surrounding the mining industry. And it became pretty clear to these guys early on, no, not much different than we are today, that there was a need to organize and discuss opportunities and challenges and issues and share information. Um, so you have to assume this was like Pony Express type communication, <laughs> right? Um, they, they organized the Alaska Miners Association in August of 1939. Um, so very cool, and we ended up evolving over the years in many different ways. Today we have eight statewide branches, so we're as far north as Nome, um, as far south as Ketchikan, Prince of Wales Island, we're in Anchorage, Fairbanks, Denali, Kenai, Juneau, Haines, um, and Nome. And so we're all around, and so you know 1939 to today, and still organizing to share information and discuss challenges and opportunities.
0: That's awesome. So how did you get involved? It's an organization that's been around a long time and I'm sure has a very rich history, ups and downs and challenges. Uh, What was your path to uh, getting involved in the Alaska Miners Association?
1: I had a bit of a it it was an interesting path for sure. Um, I worked at the Resource Development Council, another trade association in Alaska. Um, I was primarily doing tourism industry um, issues at the time. And the longtime executive director of AMA was retiring. And we had some board members in common that came to me and said, you should consider applying for this position. Um, and I w- was very confused by that suggestion. I have a political science <laughs> degree. Um, I'm not a geologist. I'm not an engineer. I, I was like, I don't know anything about that. Um, but they told me at the time, and gosh, it's just it's true on a daily basis for me, that um, you don't The trade association is an education into the mining industry, so we need you to come um, help us with communications. We need a better profile in the state of Alaska. We we need to educate the public about how modern our industry really is, Um, and we'll we'll teach you the mining stuff. And that's exactly what happened. You know, I I started in July June of twenty twelve, so ten years ago. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, And did not Well, congratulations
0: on your. 10 year yeah. anniversary.
1: Thanks. Thanks. Yep. So that's how I got there and we're here, I guess. And uh, yeah, still learning every single day. I'm, I still, some days I'm like, I don't know anything still, but I know a lot of people that do.
0: <laughs> Welcome to the club. I'm the king of the club. So tell me about, I'm sure, you know, uh, depending on which administration, uh, you know, whoever is the president of the U.S. probably has its ups and downs. Most people think whether it's, you know, Trump in office or Biden in office, They're just going to keep going about their day. My guess is some of those decisions actually affect associations like yours. So tell me about um, Biden seems to be very uh, either not care or secretive or, you know, the list goes on about these um, minerals that are hard to get. And they're only in, in certain places in the world. Some of them seem to be in Alaska. What's his stance been on mining, and how has that affected Alaska?
1: You know, it's it's interesting. You know, obviously, when the administration changed, you know, under the Trump administration, we saw, you know, like him or not, he appointed some incredibly capable people across the agencies and, and departments that that matter for resource development in our country, and there were incredible reforms happening to. Um, you know, keep our environmental standards. All of our—you've I mean, got me on my soapbox now. All of our, um, all of our environmental standards that industries like mining have to meet are rooted in law. So there, there's never been a proposed change um, to law that would weaken the environmental performance of the mining industry. Um, but there were sweeping reforms to. Keep that strength of the environmental requirements, but make the actual permitting process more efficient. Get rid of stuff that wasn't necessary or had an unnecessary burden to the regulated community. Um, so we were we were in the process of um, seeing those reforms come out that would better our process. Um, and when the when President Biden was elected, you know, we thought perhaps we would see a change in in the desire for those reforms. But we were initially encouraged you know right away he came out with his goals for a transition to alternative energies and electric vehicles and battery storage and things like that all of these things requiring multitudes more minerals than we produce currently so and and he and his you know high up policy officials readily admitted that we need more mining to get this done to reach our goals so we were initially encouraged you know like this is this is great you know i i you know we can we can debate the merits of how quickly this uh energy transition will actually work but on on the other hand he is readily you know there is an there's an admission that we need to do more mining in the united states so we were initially encouraged by that but i have to say that um instead of the permitting reforms that we've talked about earlier um we have been dominated with the discussion of 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 mining law reform and changing you know taking a hard look at is the mining industry, you know, regulated adequately and appropriately. And so, oh, um, gosh. yeah, it's, so there's really, um, <laughs> we have like the
0: safest, most highest standards of probably any country out there. Right. Already.
1: <laughs> and there are, there are, you know, policy directives underway to kind of turn our system, you know, up just completely, you know, turn it on its head. And so it, it, not at all consistent with the goals the administration has outlined. Um, We've been really trying to push and highlight that, that, you know, if you want to completely overhaul is the word that has been used, um, how mining is permitted in the United States, you're going to take a bigger step back than anything you're trying to do from, you know, getting more domestic mineral production. So um, that's pretty, that's pretty discouraging. I'm not even sure if I answered your question in my, in my tirade there.
0: (laughs) So how does somebody, you did, how does somebody... Um, make a practical difference because that seems like a daunting task you know the president of the united states decides that we're overhauling Mm -hmm. with probably little to no producers in the room helping him make that decision you know if i'm in a gold mine in alaska how do i make a difference
1: you know, I think we just have to communicate, communicate, communicate. And we are starting to see some changes in or or some meaningful um responses and meaningful feedback on on the communication. You know, things about trans you know, transforming our our way, our dependence on minerals to to achieve these goals, you know, the number the number one highest mineral needed. in electrification as copper. Um, We don't produce enough of it. Cobalt is another big one. Right now, we are Buying it from places where there are literally five-year-olds working in coal yeah. mines. There's no
0: standards where we're buying. No it.
1: standards. I mean, environmental standards, God know, But it goes worse than that. I mean, there are human rights isu- issues yeah. associated with where we're getting some of our, and that matters to people. You know, even if they're not sure how they feel about the mine that's located near their community, they don't want to see mining happening with no standards. With, you know treating small children really poorly. So those kinds of things, you know, we are starting to make a difference in terms of opening eyes of, yes, we do it. We do an exceptional job here in Alaska, but also look at all the benefits that come from it. Look at the jobs, look at the revenue and that kind of thing. Um, So miners are optimistic by nature, but I do think that people that are not readily familiar with the mining industry are starting to realize that we probably need to do this closer to home.
0: Yep. So let's talk for a second about pebble mine. It's been, you know, if, if there's one, if there's one thing that the every average person has heard about mining in the last 10 years in Alaska, it's pebble mine, right? It keeps coming right. up. Um, it, uh, when Walker was uh, the governor, he kind of squashed it. And uh, at least that's kind of the layman's terms way of understanding it. And Dunleavy is definitely open to it having that public process. It seems like and having a fair shot Yeah. Of, having a chance to become a, a a mine that is producing, uh, material materials. What's your guys's take on Pebble Mine? And do you think it has, is there any hope for even just a a fraction of the original idea to come to fruition?
1: Um, I think so. So I will, you're absolutely right. First of all, when you talk about mining in Alaska, I picked my son up from school, like two weeks ago for the dentist appointment. And, um, there was like, the office was really hectic and they apologized to me and I was like, Oh God, no, you should see where I work. This is nothing. She's like, well, where do you work? And I said, Oh, I I work at a trade association for the mining industry. And she's like, Oh, pebble, (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but for better or for worse, the, the, um, common knowledge of the pebble issue has really highlighted, um, what we have said for over a decade now. And it pains me to say that, um, that, The having the process in our country, the permitting process, be fair and reasonable and according to science and law is so important. And AMA's position has always been that a resource development project like a mining proposal has to be objectively evaluated. And we saw a a, you know, we saw a preemptive veto from the EPA in 2014. then saw litigation, saw EPA come back, withdraw its preemptive veto on the account of Pebble would put forth a permitting application. Um, they did so. They went through a lengthy environmental impact statement process. Um, ultimately, over you know, for dozens and dozens of agencies and, and permitters, permitters, excuse me, involved. Um, ultimately there was an EIS produced. Um, remember EISs are thousands of pages they take oh, yeah. ample years they have uh, multiple subject areas they have every agency you could possibly dream up of and every acronym involved in putting an EIS together and ultimately an EIS was produced that concluded that the mine could be built without harming the fishery. Which um, is a, is
0: a that that seems like a miracle compared to what some of the environmentalists were telling the public.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, it, 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 was, it's a, it's a modern engineering marvel, no question. I mean, it is so technical and detailed and, you know, that the mining proposal is, is technical. Um, so after that EIS, that concluded the mine could be built safely um, there was a record of decision by the Corps of Engineers denying Pebble's permit. Um, not consistent with an EIS that it participated in and was the lead agency on. Um so there's a lot of other steps and details associated with that. But so we maintain now, were
0: you were you surprised by that or did you all kind of see that coming?
1: Um I would say I'm trying to rewalk those steps. We did not see it coming once seeing a favorable EIS. Yeah. Um yeah. You know that leads you to believe that hey, all of these agencies decided it could be done, yeah. and you have a record of decision. Say, I mean, essentially, like we were wrong. <laughs> we that EIS, we we weren't right there. We're not going to, you know, that is a pivot away from the EIS, which is an entirely political and not scientific decision. Um, so to have a political decision lacking science and not consistent with the scientific document is a huge issue. I I mean, it's not just discouraging, it's, it is a huge issue. And really, it's the reason that you have seen um, across the board, industries, trade associations, and others that actually don't have mining member companies and don't work on mining issues, come out and raise a flag and say, this is wrong, because they know that at any given time, a project that has any sort of controversy associated with it, um, you know, an oil field, oil exploration project on the North Slope, something near a fishery, anything that anybody opposes anywhere can start to, you know, to see what happened at Pebble. And now there's a blueprint for those that oppose resource development to use on any project they don't like. So it is always uh, it has always been about the process with pebble yes it is a tremendous copper resource yes it would have amazing environmental benefits for, for a region of alaska that is very you know economically disadvantaged but number one hands down this is about the our resource development process and how resource development projects are permitted in the united states
0: so do you think there's a sliver of hope of it still potentially happening
1: you know i I think, you know, you asked me a question a couple of minutes ago about the critical minerals needed. And um, I mentioned that copper is one of the most important things we need and we don't produce enough of. Um, I think that there is starting to be a bit of an awareness that we need all of this copper. We get so much of it from China and we the United States has said no to Three of the largest copper proposals, Pebble being one, one being in Minnesota and one being in Arizona um, in the last couple of years. And, you know, you're, we're seeing this kind of start to happen with the Ambler Access Project to huge copper deposits out there as well. So I think there is starting to be a bit more of an awareness of like, ooh, we don't have enough copper. And that is a prolific resource. And I don't know if it's going to be developed in my lifetime, but I believe it will be developed one day.
0: Nice. So you just had a very successful Alaska Miners Association convention, which I'm sure was probably the first one, maybe since COVID. I was at a couple election parties and saw some of the events that were happening. Seems like they're salt of the earth kind of folks. I had a chance to talk to just, you know, in passing some of them. Talk to me a little bit about uh, the convention and, and why you think it was so successful.
1: Yeah, it it was our first one since 2019. Um, We they're held in November. What when they're held? Um, And so our last one was November 2019, and um, we had, you know, it was pretty evident early on in 2020. You know, we all can remember where we were in April or May, and it's like, no way are we having a convention this year. And we had what we thought was a -a once-in-a-lifetime virtual convention. Like, thank God that's behind us. We'll never have to do that again. (laughs) And then. In 2021, we had to cancel it again, which was heartbreaking and unexpected. Um, so to be able to come back and do this one, people were so ready. Um, a, a lot of people last Monday saw each other for the first time in three years. We've been on Zooms like we are right now, um, we've been on phone calls, we've been in you know, Facebook communication and that kind of thing, but had not seen the whites of each other's eyes in three years. Um, so it was amazing. We had about 1200 people, um, people travel from all over the world and all over the country and all over the state um, to to be together for those four days. And um, it was absolutely amazing to to be together again, to look at all of the various um, mining activity happening in the state, to talk about some of our high level issues. Um, it's always incredibly nerve wracking to have it take place the same week as the election. Yeah. <laughs> What's going to happen? You know, and, and I've been at AMA long enough that, um, I remember what it was like when Obama was reelected, and we're like, "Oh God, four more years of just this really hard federal regulatory regime." And then when Trump was elected, it was like, "Woo!" And so it—it's been, you know, it's—it's always. You're like very unknown what's going to happen with the election, but um, but it's also really exciting to have all of those um, updates happening, those policymakers stop into AMA and talk about their views on mining. And so um it was it was fantastic. We're still kind of on cloud nine about it.
0: That's awesome. So let's say you know we have somebody listening today, maybe they're a student at um, uh UAA, maybe they're have a you know, they want to start gold mining in Hope, Alaska or something like that. How does somebody get involved in your association? What does that look like? I know you have uh, memberships all the way from student to somebody that's like, you know, a corporate entity that's, you know, producing a lot of minerals. So, Talk talk to me a little bit about that.
1: So um, first of all, I would definitely go to our website and get this information. But um, we have branch meetings on Friday mornings around the state in Anchorage, Fairbanks, and Juneau um, for an hour. And the local members of the local chapters come in and sit in the room and talk about anything under the sun related to mining. Um, And it is a great way to get contacts to learn more about the industry. And you know, those, those meetings, those membership meetings really do build, a presence for young people in Alaska. Um, so our website is alaskaminers.org. Um, it has the schedule of the meetings that you can um, come to and get involved in, and that kind of thing. And really, um, any young person or any any person that's not already, you know absorbed in our industry but is curious i guarantee you the miners are the most welcoming open-armed people they will give you all the time in the world trust me because this happened to me i lived it um, they have all the time in the world for you to sit there and talk about mining educate you on anything that you're willing to listen to um, if you meet a meet a miner, you're gonna have a friend for life
0: yeah my family and i went to hope we go to hope a lot in the summer and we met a uh, you know just kind of like a miner that does it for fun and he showed my kids all of his equipment and showed them how to do the gold thing. And, you know, this is somebody I'd known for maybe five minutes and they they were just so excited to show the process of taking a bunch of dirt from a ri- riverbed and, and developing it into gold. So I agree. They're definitely the salt of the earth folks. And we wish you nothing but success. Must Read Alaska is a big fan of the Alaska Miners Association and our folks that read, uh, listen, and watch a Must Read Alaska are big fans of what you do. So we hope and wish for nothing but success for, for you. Do you have any last minute things before we head off here that you want to make sure you share?
1: No, I just, I really appreciate um, you giving me the time today. I just would encourage, um, I know you, everyone that listens to you guys is probably already aware of this, but just um, pay, pay attention and take the time to research both sides of an issue. Um, and I think you'll find that Mining industry really does have a responsible track record here in Alaska and really enjoys being your neighbor. So um, I just appreciate all that Must Read Alaska does to cover our industry and to support our issues and our causes.
0: Awesome. Well, the uh, mining in in the USA probably has the highest standards anywhere around the world. And so I always find it funny when folks... Uh, don't want to have a mining project, but they want to drive around their Prius and wear uh, their Patagonia sweatshirt. Yeah. But you know that's for another topic. I guess you get to
1: have it both ways. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I, w- I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, very informative, and we wish you nothing but success. Uh, for folks listening in tomorrow, I'm going to have Mayor Rodney Dial on, and then Donna Arduin on Friday. So you want to tune in there. Oh. Until next time, I'm John Quick from somewhere in Alaska. Thank you so much for joining us today.